Well, hey, and welcome to episode 30 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Prisma, and we're so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss the journey that we've been on through Romans chapters 9 and 10, and then we celebrate the response that we saw from this past Sunday's message. As always, if you haven't yet listened to that message, I do encourage you to stop now, go back and do that, as it's going to help this conversation make a lot more sense to you. Well, hey, without further ado, we hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hey guys, good morning. Happy Monday. It's sunny and beautiful. That it is. And the forecast for this week? It says no snow. No, no snow. No this snow. will be the first in like literally four um, weeks. Probably a month. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all those weird, small one, two, three inch snows. And then this last one was probably the most accumulatively we had, which was. Yep. It was we're going thing. to school. We're going Extra. to school all day <laughs> for five days in a row. Oh, and man. we haven't done that in a month. That's the- Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's talk about how the three of us spent our Saturday. Want to do that, Coach? So I will jump in. So for those of you who are unaware, we we are sitting right now in the presence of a genius. Yeah. So Josh <laughs> is coaching a bunch of eight and nine and ten year old basketball at the Y, and they're doing their tournament. And so. I don't know when, when, whenever it was Thursday, Friday, Josh said, Hey, we're, we're going, we're doing the thing. Y'all ought to come out and watch us. And I said, all right, let's go. And so we spent our Saturday watching the eight and nine and 10 year olds win the basketball yeah. game. We get so to witness greatness. It was Josh just, I mean, he's like, I don't know what, what's the guy from Hoosiers. What's that guy's name? I mean, it's Gene Hackman. Yeah, but what's his name? What's coach name? I don't know his name in the movie. That's that's. I'm like, that's. I see him. There he is, right mm. over there. And uh, it was a great game. Came down to the very end, back and forth, back and forth. It was a very close game. I actually yesterday. Um, so we're sitting on the bleachers watching the game, and I, I like basketball, so I was a little, a little excited about it. And uh, but then yesterday, I woke up and my lower back was hurting. And I was like, man, I'm sore from standing up and sitting down and standing up and sitting down on the bleachers. So still today, I'm like, man, I'm a little stiff. <laughs> I did not you call me old. I, know. <laughs> I did not sit down. No, not a sit down coach. No. <laughs> it was funny watching. So the game before both sets of coaches were sitting the entire time. And I was like, how can, how can you do that? I don't know. So tell us about your team. Yeah. So hey, yeah. share, share so with been, us a little bit about your team. Yeah. So it's been fun. So my oldest is nine and so there was a couple friends that he was like daddy they have to be on the team and so we drafted a couple kids that my son knew and then everyone else uh, there was a there was a brother and sister um who we played with last year uh so you got to draft and i would like to just say that we had the sixth pick out of seven in the draft so it's nothing like i had the number one pick so um, I feel pretty good about my picks. I feel like it all worked out really well. <laughs> but your son does come with you. My son does come with me. <laughs> so that helps. That helps. It yeah. does help. Judah has, uh, I mean, he's just really tall and he's 
he is pretty athletic and his, his reverse pivot game. That was that was his go to move. Go down the go down the lane, and a little bit of hezzy with a reverse pivot, and that's his that's his game. Right. So um, again, really proud of how hard he works. Um, so it's been fun. Like it's competitive. We keep score. There is winners and losers, and so it has been all in. So the team we played on Saturday, we've played three times now. First game of the year, we beat them by one. We played them a couple weeks ago, went to double overtime. And then this last one, we won by one as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's been intense the whole time. It is just crazy. It's a bunch of – and I have probably four eight-year-olds on my team, which the league is nine and ten-year-olds. And I just took some flyers. I was like, oh, man, they look like they can do it. Like, it's been cool. Like, there's a – the parents are really engaged. Um, uh, all the dads are always there cheering. On. So for me, that's a really – I mean, that's why uh, when I started coaching, I did this when I was in Louisiana. It was just to be a, a just a positive influence. Like, for me, coaches were such a big part of my life. So I was like, I just want to be that. I want to be that for other players. I want to be that for kids. And so uh, – and it's honestly an incredible way to just get in the community. Um, you meet all kinds of people. Um, and so we've, uh, we've shared on here before that we've met some people playing sports that we really – my wife and I – really just feel like God wants us to um, uh, to reach and to share our life with. And, man, super excited. They're actually on our baseball team this year. God made the connection for us and just another opportunity to spend some time with them. And that's what I think also, too, we just – we're all in. Like, we want to be in Prescott, and we want people to know us and know our family. And so – and – People go, oh, yeah, I know that guy from church. <laughs> and so it makes me – it does make me a little nervous. I'm like, oh, get, oh, oh, gosh, what are they going to say? So we have one more game. We play in the championship this Tuesday night at 5 p.m. at Grand Mountain. So, so we need everybody who listens to the podcast. Everybody who listens to the podcast, up. show up, baby. And this will drop Tuesday that. morning, so it's a little short notice. <laughs> tonight, tonight as you're listening to this, Grand yeah. Mountain, 5 p.m. So with the people, though, in the community, so there's some other folks that we've been hanging out with and we're going to be doing sports with. And uh, The wife came up to me, uh, <laughs> and she was like, she dropped an explicit. Like, no, no, no. no, no. Get, get, get a little more. <laughs> share so, the story. So, so, so again, this is a family from the other team. It's a family from the other team. We beat them three times now and they kept saying like there's no way you can beat us three times all this stuff and so it's just so great she walks up to me like smiling so she have to know like she's smiling <laughs> I was, and she was like f you like real like in my face giving me a hug all at the same time and we started laughing and you know our husband was like you know I, i'm excited to be able to coach with you and stuff so we're doing baseball with him anyways i i went to my wife we got in the car and i went well I think we have new ones. <laughs> I go. said, this may be the the family God also has put us in their life. And we haven't had the question yet of what do you do? Right. And that'll change. It's going to come. Yeah. Well. Which, again, though, like, I was talking to someone else, and I was like, man, I'm so, like, I, I do hope people don't change around me. For like, sure. Like, not that they don't feel guilt because I'm a pastor, but, like, that my life maybe helps them go, oh, I can do this differently. Like, I always like that we can still do sports, that we can yeah. still be involved, that we're normal guys. Like, yeah. all of us, I would think, we're really normal dudes who also love the Lord and want to pursue Him. But like, I can still hang out. Mm-hmm. Like, we could still talk sports and 
Right. Yeah. And that is kind of the thing. Every, you know, when, when that part of the conversation comes up, things do have a tendency they to do. change a little bit. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. And so, again, I want my kids to, my end goal may be a little different. Like for me, my, you know, I, I don't want to invest all my life in my kids and sports, but I love what it teaches them and the game, but I don't want to, I don't want them to become my idol. Like, again, this is just, I want them to love Jesus. If they leave my house loving Jesus, I was talking to a guy yesterday. We got to talking about sports. He was at the game too. And we got to start talking about his kids and his grandkids. And and I was like, yeah, man, success for me and my kids is not basketball or sports. Like, hopefully they have awesome whatever career. But I was like, ultimately, I want them to leave my home followers of Christ. If that happens, anything else is great, you know? And so, uh, and so if we can, as a family, be in other kids' families' lives and somehow they, our family rubs off and we get to share Jesus, I think it's the win. That's awesome. So, it was fun sitting behind your wife during the game. <laughs> so uh, she is as intense. More. More <laughs> watching the game. And I'm, I'm sitting two rows behind her as the game was going on. I'm like... This poor lady. She's just not going to make it. She's just, she, this is child number one. Like, one. this is the oldest. There's there's four more to come. And there's 15 more years of this, mm-hmm. at least. We're all and in, man. I know, right? There's 15 more years. I mean, Amos is going to, he'll be 16 years from now. He's going to be on the court doing whatever. And, <laughs> I know. and she's going to have a, it's going to be hard. Oh, I know. We're all in, man. That's <laughs> what it. That's what we do. We're all. But it's been like I said. It's really cool. Uh, I, Prescott is the small town. Yes, and we love that about yeah. it. That you do see the same yeah. people. Um, it was cool. You know, I'm sure Judah was pumped to see people in the stands cheering them on. There's a g- older guy from church who comes all the time. Loves it. He's like a, you know, uh, kind of a grandpa figure now for Judah. Yeah. You know, we're away from family, so it's it has been a really cool experience just to get get to be a part of that. Um, and so. Well, I loved seeing it, and yeah. I loved the the moment there at the end of the game where there was a one of your kids hits a layup to take the lead, and y'all just got to picture Josh. Like, if you've ever seen like a black pastor get excited when he's preaching, and he's doing the tiptoe down the side of the. That's what Josh was doing down the. He just took off and tiptoeing and dancing down the side of the court, and it was. It was amazing. It's free admission. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And free admission. You get your money's worth. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, dive into the message from this past Sunday. Uh, this week, we're in Romans chapter 10. We were in verses 5 through 13. Um, and let's start this way. Jason, would you just give us the, the play-by-play? Give us the, the quick recap. What are we talking about in Romans 10, 5 through 13? Yeah. So, again, as we said throughout the all, all of these are building off of each other. And so I felt like yesterday I was a little bit of a disadvantage because we had the snow Sunday the week before. And I don't know how many people are listening to the message in between. I always encourage them to, but yeah, the coming out of chapter nine and heading into chapter 10, again, we're moving in to this place where Paul's really focused on man's responsibility. And he's going to address the issue here of, why it is, and 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 uh, Josh hit it a little bit the week before about as we exit chapter nine. Why is it that the Jewish people haven't made Jesus as their savior? And 
And again, if you go back to 932, it says, why not? Why didn't they? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as it it were by works. And so there's this responsibility that Paul puts on his own people. He doesn't say, well, it's because God didn't choose them. It's not what he says. It's because they pursued a righteousness not by faith. Righteousness is required. We have to have it being perfect, sinless before God. And they tried to get there on their own. And that was the stumbling block uh, that they struggle with. And so that's the context of this whole conversation. Paul's trying to address that really big problem of why is it that the people who should have known the Messiah more than anybody else, how did they miss it? And so Paul's addressing that topic here. So as we jumped into chapter 10 this week, it was uh, chapter 10, verse 5. Paul's just trying to make the argument here that um, it was always God's plan. Like Christ is the culmination at verse 4. That's where we jumped off of. Christ is the culmination of the law that there may be righteousness for everyone. It was always God's plan to provide a righteousness through Christ, who is the culmination of the law. So that was where we jumped into and as I said on Sunday, we got to get a little bit nerdy, and I'll just—I just need to say out loud—I was disappointed with the few Bible nerd people who raised their hands. Like we got to fix that. Like we need to have more people excited about being in the Word and and see these cool things that God. Like this is God putting together something Moses taught and what Paul taught and dragging those things together and helping connect the dots for us. So, I mean, as a Bible nerd, you geek out when you kind of see that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, so it did get a little bit geeky this week, a little, little nerdish as we're trying to watch Paul exegete Deuteronomy 30. Uh, but hopefully we were able to connect the dots to make it clear for people, um, that everything that Moses talked about being in the law, Paul says, actually, it got fulfilled in Jesus, and that's the cool piece uh, of the puzzle. So there's your overview. Um, it's kind of where we went to yesterday. Yeah, really, 9 and 10 are all—I I feel like they're all one long thought. Yeah. And I know it breaks it, because, but I think it's all together. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when I was teaching two weeks ago, trying to go, hey, can't forget what Paul talked about. Like, he's yeah. still answering the same question. Mm-hmm. You know, and still um, doing all of this, you know, just I just looked back through nine and ten and counted. There's like fifteen or sixteen Old Testament texts yeah. that Paul fires off rapid. Yeah. His ability, because of the Holy Spirit, now to look back and read the Old Testament through the lens of redemption of because of the Messiah uh, is incredible. Number one, obviously, but also too. It, it encourages me and inspires me to read more of the Old Testament. I know for some of us listening, at times you can read the Old Testament and it becomes weighed down and you're like, oh, man, this is really tough. Um, but the hope is you start reading it and looking back, knowing what we know because of Jesus. You know, I, in our series that we did right before we kicked off Romans, we did uh, Old Testament stories mm-hmm. and the story of David and Goliath. And I loved how you said, we are not David, Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And the only reason you can do that is because you have the knowledge of Christ and you can look back into, because I'm sure there are people who heard that for the first time. And they're like, what? Yeah. And How does Jason do that? How can he say that David is Jesus or Jesus is the David of the story? Because that's what, you, we, that's what we're afforded because we know the New Testament and the fulfillment of all that Jesus mm-hmm. does. So it actually helps me better understand some of the, 
wonky parts of the Old Testament. Because I know a lot of re- our listeners may be like, man, I try. Josh, every year I start off, and what are we? It's March. I'm, you all are all right now in Leviticus. Yeah. Your Bible reading plans, and you're like, well, I quit. <laughs> like, yeah. You're out. You're done. But when you reread it through the lens of all of those laws, all of those things, all of that purity, all of that perfection was then accomplished by Jesus. Mm-hmm. It helps. And you see the love of God trying to care for his people. And it makes so much more sense. It's just really helpful. So um, I just literally just look, go back and look how much Paul uses the Old Testament. Man. Yeah. Crazy. And I mean, the rest of the New Testament writers as well, yeah. right? It's all over the place. I, we had a very, a lot of people had a very similar um, epiphany when we went through the character study of Joseph a yeah. year and a half or two years ago, whenever that was. It's one of my favorite series we've done in probably a long time um, because it was helping people connect the dots of like, hey, why does this story matter? Uh, it's because Jesus is Joseph, not you. And you're actually the brothers. Mm. <laughs> you're the ones in that fact, you're got the ones. Killed. Yeah, you're the ones that are condemning Sold him. Sold so, him off and killed him. Um, so yeah, lots of people had a very similar uh, epiphany <clears throat> with that story as well, which really just helps connect the dots because how many times have we heard this tension of Old Testament God versus New mm. Testament God being, oh, that's just the old way and that and here's the new way and trying to disconnect the two things um, when in reality it better informs us of the character of God and the method. And clearly the New Testament writers were never about that. In fact, everything they use to prove the realness yep. and the fulfillment of Jesus is it comes out of the Old Testament scriptures. It's their their scriptures. Uh-huh. And Paul had it memorized, by the memorized. way. Memorized. That's why he like just— the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, also, too, really humbling of that. Like, I'm reading this, and he's just rattling off things, and I'm like, oh, I have to do better. Like, he just knew the word, man. Yeah. He knew the, these pictures, and so he was going to explain this thing that was really difficult, and he just took them all back to the Old Testament text. Their text, what yeah. they were familiar that's with. That's right. And I think that's the point that I, I think is so great about Paul specifically— is in these environments when he's talking to Jewish people, he uses Jewish text. Um, but then you go to uh, Acts, what, 19, when he shows up in Athens, and he uses no 17. Jewish, 17. Yeah, 17. He uses no Jewish text. He's not quoting the Bible at all. Instead, he quotes the prophets of the Greeks yeah. to make his point about who God is. So he was he, he recognized, I can quote the Bible to them, and it's not going to mean anything. They don't see it as authoritative. But these Jewish people here in Romans 9 and 10, they look at the Old Testament, and it is the very Word of God. It was so precious to them, and he's just using their own their own scriptures to say this was God's plan all along um, to try to help them see it. So, love love the fact that he does that, and then even points to and this is the one piece we didn't get into a ton. Uh, the first section of the book of Romans, I'm sorry, of Romans nine, the first section where really talks about the inclusion of the Gentiles. Um, but he really kind of reiterates that through this text where he's talking about anyone and everyone and all and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So there's this whole, man, he's there for all of us. And the scriptures from the beginning made it clear that this was not just about the Jewish people. It was about all people that God made a plan um, to provide salvation for everyone. So two things, and I think it's important. I think it's great because I thought of something uh, yesterday. The, I'll get to that second. First one is, which in the midst, there was some tension. And we've kind of talked about that a little bit of the Jew-Gentile thing. Yeah. Like we've talked about this tension of like, ah, you know, 
how all of Romans had changed, uh, like the Roman Empire had changed, and really Rome had changed, and now it was Gentiles leading the way. And so you kind of had a little division between the two ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. And so Paul, when he says, there is no difference. Like, I'm sure humbling, and he says it in other places. You know, he says it in in Colossians, and like, hey, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Just that reminder of like, no, Jesus unites us and brings us all together. We're equally as sinful, just in different ways. Gentiles didn't know any better. Israelites uh, knew better, but you're still guilty, both of you. And the only thing that changes is Jesus. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, and I think it may be helpful because you talked about this a long time ago, so you may have to see if you can remember the Rolodex. So when I, I that you just said Rolodex, the Rolodex, like that, <laughs> the people I even know what a Rolodex Roll is. What? Oh, I knew it. <laughs> the young and in the, the young and in the room. It's this thing you use when you had to call people. Anyways, um, yesterday, the declaration that Jesus is Lord. Yeah, we talked about this week four. What that what the society around yes. them was saying was Caesar's Lord. Yeah. So maybe that recap is really important because that it was not accidental that that's the phrase mm-hmm. that you would confess. Yeah. Right. I literally, you were preaching that and I was like, Oh man, we, we talked about this, but it was like August. Yeah. Caesar part. So yeah. maybe just re even refreshing. I think could be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about this at the very beginning of the book of Romans. So again, go back. Uh, this is probably in week two or three. I mean, it's a long time ago that when Paul walks into Rome and he's talking about, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like that would have been a shocking moment for everyone because the, the word gospel was not a Christian term. It was a political term to, to talk about the gospel. It was all about the gospel of Caesar, the good news of Caesar Augustus. And again, you can go back and I show a uh, actual piece of a stone tablet from the time of Jesus uh, and Paul that talks about the gospel of Caesar and that he is the good news. He is the proclaimer, the one who brings peace to the empire. I mean, all of the things that we associate with Jesus was first applied to uh, to Caesar Augustus. And so when when Paul goes into Rome, into the very epicenter of the Roman Empire, and uses this terminology, it is so political. And so it would have taken people back. But the declaration that was required for Roman citizens was to declare Caesar is Lord. And so when you make the declaration that, no, 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 not Caesar is Lord, Jesus is Lord. I mean, that is that is a fly in the face of rebellion, of of the government. The, no, there's one that is above and higher than. My allegiance goes beyond Caesar. It goes beyond my government. It goes to Jesus, first and foremost. So, uh, yeah, we probably should have put some, brought that back yeah. around. I didn't even think about it yeah, yesterday. I, just, I literally, you said it during 8 o'clock, and I went, we've talked about this. Yeah, Paul we forgot. About we've, it. It, but because it, we've separated it, right? Yeah. Because we, again, it's been six months since mm-hmm. we were in that piece. But, yeah, it was a declaration of rebellion. I mean, that to say Jesus is Lord uh, puts you as a um, enemy of the state with the with the Roman Empire. Like everybody, they didn't care who you worshipped. The Romans didn't care what you worshipped. They had a pantheon of gods, and you could bring any of your gods. They didn't care as long as your first allegiance was to 
the Roman Empire, that you saw the the Caesar as first and foremost above all things. They didn't care what God was second, third, or fourth. But this declaration that Jesus is Lord puts him at the top. And and it took, I mean, it, that was a, a my life is on the line kind of statement. Um, and so that's, a, that's, again, it's just a powerful moment to make that declaration. Which I think we lose it. I don't think we should, though, because I think we have allegiances, and I love that you use that word in that slide. We have allegiances to other things. And so when you stand up or when you stood up to confess, Jesus is Lord. When We say the good confession, and I love that we yeah. always say it because it is the reminder that I am claiming a new Lord. Yeah. And I think we forget it, yeah. and it's easy to let something else slide into. But for Romans, it costs them their life. Yeah, Their very life. It cost them their families. Everything was different by making that claim. It was actually how people identified you as a Christ follower because you they they knew you said that thing. Mm-hmm. So for us, as I was and I was hearing that, and then I was trying to take it in, like, man, how do we how do we help our people connect those dots of like, is Jesus really Lord? Mm. Like, is he? Am I? Is my allegiance truly to him? Because I think it can go, and I'm sure you just didn't have enough time to really run that all out. Because I, I'm sure you looked at those words, submission, obedience, and allegiance. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if it's 100% always, mm-hmm. you know. And so how do people, how do we know? Like maybe what's some good checklist for you that maybe you use? And then um, how do we make sure we keep that allegiance as number one? Okay, we said it. How do we actually live that out? Yeah, the allegiance piece is, uh, again, it's not just external. It's that internal. It's who... Who do I listen to the most? When it comes down to it, like, again, it's easy for us to obey Christ when we agree. What what shows our true allegiance is do we obey Christ when we disagree? When, When I look at something and I think, well, it just makes sense that it would go this way, but the Bible says it should go that way. Who do, who is my allegiance to? Well, it's going to be the one that I obey. Do I do I go against even what I my own feelings or what the culture says, as opposed to this is what Scripture says? And even if I don't agree with it, even if I don't like it, I'm going to do it. It's like a it's like a um, a soldier in an army, right? Who's get, given commands from his superior office and he officer, and he doesn't understand it and he doesn't even like it, but his allegiance is to the hierarchy. He, he knows I have to obey those who give me the commands from above me. So I do it. Um, I think that's what shows our allegiance. It's again, it's not in the places where we agree. It's in the places where we don't agree. I like that. So again, how do you always just check your own self to go? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm doing what I feel like the word of God is telling me to do. You know, how are you like just making sure like, you know, obviously internally, but also I'm sure you have external things too as well that help you uh, or people in your life. Yeah. 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 So you got, yeah, two things. I think of uh, Brendan yesterday here at the Preston campus did our um, communion uh, moment and did a great job of connecting it back to this thing of repentance. So what shows our allegiance to Jesus is when in the word I come across something that I don't agree with, I assume he's right and I'm wrong. I assume God's right and I'm wrong, and I repent. So that shows my allegiance is to him. And so so on that inward piece, yeah, it's that allegiance 
shows up in repentance. The second would be the the community piece. It is going to be when somebody, when you or Brendan or somebody in my uh, discipleship group shares something and it comes out and I realize, oh man, they're right. I haven't been walking this out. I haven't been living this out. And they call that out in me. I submit and I repent. Like when I'm in a community and I see my own life on display through the other people and they see my blind spots, man, that's how we keep pledging our allegiance back to Christ over and over again is I don't fight that, uh, but I humbly receive that and surrender. That's back to that first word. Which, yeah, definitely such a good point. We were talking yesterday in our discovering class and we get to do the hard things. Yeah. And that's where one of the things that we say in there, because we want people to know from the very beginning is we're not just going to call you to do the commands you love. Yeah, We're going to hopefully call you because we teach the Bible to do the commands that you don't like, yeah. and that's really what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I always see this look on people's face like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> their eyes get real big. And, again, then we have the M there, we're better together. And that's why we have that in there is because of that. So, again, just a, another reminder, so I appreciate that, of just, hey, even in your life, you know, I can't just sit in an echo chamber and read my Bible. I need other people who read it as well who are also living by the Spirit to help me see things I don't see. And again, let's take it to the next level. That's again, why we keep talking about the discipleship group piece. It, even doing it together in an environment like our auditorium, where we're hearing the word, there's conviction that happens, but n- the person sitting two rows in front of you is not turning around to you and saying, Hey, I saw you last week and you're struggling with that and you didn't do this. So let's fix that. Nobody's doing that. And even in life group, it's a little better, but it's not as in depth. Um, but man, that's why we keep pushing this idea of discipleship groups. Like we've got to have three or four or five people in our life who know it all, who are, who are there with us, who are helping us see the things that we don't see. They know our life. They know our wife. They know our kids. They know the things that are going on and are helping us actually apply the scriptures to our life every day. Yeah. It's uh, almost as if that's the way it was designed. It it seems as if I've read that somewhere. Yeah, it just keeps showing up. Yeah, something about the fifty two one and others. I don't know. Uh, yeah, oh. there you go. That's cool. Well, hey, let's talk about my favorite part of Sunday. Um, we um, because this is all about me anyway. So, what's, <laughs> yeah. what's my favorite? Part? Yeah, what was your favorite part? Brent? My favorite part. We got to baptize five people this Sunday. Man, let's go. How cool was that? Was so really cool. I, five. I thought it was four. Did we do five or four? we did three in Prescott? And oh, sorry, it was four. It was four. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. I was bleeding for five. So. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe we did. did. Maybe we Maybe did. <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, a cool moment. We had, um, and a couple of them were, hey, we had known these stories. We had knew pe- known people were were interested in being baptized, and this was just the Sunday they were available to do that. And um, it, it's still so powerful to be a part of that, but I just loved, you know, the fact that the culmination of this text at the very end, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You confess yeah. with your mouth that Jesus is king, right? So being able to see that in practice as like a application of the message in real time at both the 930 in Prescott Valley and the 11 in Prescott um, was really cool. And then after the 11, there was someone that came up that was like, hey, uh, this is my day. I've been thinking about it and this is the one. So uh, we got to baptize him as well in front of our Discovering Quad City class, which Mm -hmm. was a really cool, unique opportunity for both him and his wife and the class that was just trying to feel out who is this church and is it where I'm supposed to be? And uh, it, it just seemed like a really powerful application from the message. So love that. Yeah. And the older gentleman who we baptized at the 11, 
is, you know, he's been listening through the Roman stuff. And he is, I got to talk to him on the phone. That's what he said. He goes, I, I need to make this declaration with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, that's what we said in the very beginning, too, of Romans, that this would be the kindling just to start the fire, the revival. Mm-hmm. Like, we prayed for that. We yeah. prayed that God would do something in our midst using these words to just keep challenging people and then to see, again, another moment where people are convinced. So I think it is a culmination that we just keep putting the word in front of them. And like Paul's, like he's take, Paul's taking like many breaks to go, okay, I know I've been coming at you, but you can confess. Believe in Jesus. Let's go. And now we're going to go on another little moment. Mm-hmm. It's going to be kind of hard, but hey, he's going to provide the hope of the gospel again. It's like these little, and we've seen that, I think, even as we've studied these past eight months, seven months, and it has been so cool. And I was talking to, talking to the dad, got to baptize his son. I was like, today is the day that we're going to talk about confess. And he was like, that is so cool. Yeah. Like, they were, like, really excited about it. That, you know, I don't know if they planned it. You know, it just happened. Right? But it was that it was that day that you bring up, hey, you get to say this thing out loud in front of other believers. Uh, definitely a cool moment. I never I, want to lose the excitement of that. Well, you know, this one was unique. So, Corey, you mentioned the dad. Yeah. Corey and Jeremiah, his son, his 13-year-old son. Corey gets to baptize uh, this past Sunday. And um, we were standing backstage, so baptisms were at the end of the service, so we were kind of waiting back there for a little while, and we were just sitting there chatting, and uh, Corey serves on the worship team, so I've known Corey the last year or two from that, and um, we're sitting back there, and for those of you who haven't been backstage, we've got this wall that's right, like, opposite side of the baptistry uh, from where you usually sit in the room on the Prescott campus. So that back wall, and everyone that gets baptized here on the Prescott location uh, once they're done with that, we give them a Bible, we do a thing, and then they sign the wall with their name and their date of the baptism. And it's just this um, really cool testimony to what's happened just in the last few years, last four or five years we've been in this space. And uh, so we're sitting there just kind of killing some time, waiting for the sermon to to wrap up so that we can go out and uh, and baptize Jeremiah. And I'm looking at this wall, and I just start sharing some of the stories that are represented on the wall. Like, I see the names. Let's go. Mm-hmm. This guy— I know, I know this, this guy's a friend of mine. Uh, let me tell you his story. And then I go over here and then, oh, there's this other guy. And, and then they go over here. And it was just such a cool moment. I mean, we sat back there for 10, 15 minutes and I'm just, you know, we had nothing else to talk about. So I'm just telling the stories of all these people who, uh, you know, are still here. They're still, you know, living a life on fire for Jesus. And, uh, and they were baptized right here in this room, in this building three, four, five years ago. Um, and it was just a really special moment. So to your point, like, that helped me just remember, like, oh, this is, like, the thing. This is the beginning for so many people. And I think you said it, too, in your, in your message, something to that effect, Jason, that, like, we know that, that as much as we care for these people, God even, even more. All these stories that we know just pieces of how God has been working in people's lives. And to see that was the culmination of them going all in, of stepping in and saying yes and being obedient. Get up. Be baptized. They did the thing, right? And so to even that wall is that reminder for us because what I know is, yes, God was working in those lives long before maybe that day. For sure. But that was the day that they said, okay, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do this thing. And so it is a really cool uh, reminder. And so, man, we got to find a way to get that thing out in front of people. I was literally (laughs) thinking of this yesterday. I was telling our discovering group, and I was like, man, I need to start taking people through this back hallway. (laughs) 
Just walk him, just yeah, walk him mean, through the back it's, hallway. It's powerful. It is yeah. just a reminder of like yeah. what God has done. Um, you know, yeah. Just the the small pieces of the story, and I'm sure yeah. you see names and like, yeah. oh, I remember that. Oh yeah. man, I've walked with them through yeah. this. And it is just a testament testament to the faithfulness of God. Yep. Love that. Well, it's a good. Uh, or do you have something else, Jason? What well, I just want to. Again, we're we're in chapter 10. We're talking about man's responsibility. And this week was really about, hey, you, everybody, you can respond. Like, you have the opportunity. It's right here in front of you. It's not far away. Everybody gets the opportunity to respond. So if you haven't done that, respond. That's our responsibility. How do we do that? Everybody can do that. Nobody who responds to the gospel in faith is rejected. So respond if you haven't done that. Everyone means everyone, which includes you. So that's this week. Next week, we're going to get to see another layer of our responsibility, and that is not just the response for ourselves, but how we have the opportunity now. We are responsible to help other people hear the gospel. So that's where we're going next is, yeah, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how are they going to call on the name of the Lord, unless we go share the good news of the gospel. So this coming week, we're going to get to talk about what it means to respond, do our response, man's responsibility in sharing the gospel. And so that's where we're going this week. And I, I just want to add this as you're thinking about this week before you come next week. Who is the person in your life that you thought, or maybe you even think, yeah, they would never respond? Like of all of the people there, I mean, I've got some people that I think are open to the gospel. This person is not. When he says everyone, it means that person. It means that person in your life that you look at and say, there is no chance they would ever. No, no, no. When he says all, when he says anyone, he means the person that you think is least likely they too have the opportunity. So I want you to be thinking about those people as you come into this coming week, uh, not just your own response, but the people around you who have yet to respond, the gospel's uh, available to them as well. Yeah, I love that. Well, what a great place to uh, to close our time together. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, talk again real soon. Well, all right, that is a wrap on episode 30 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. We're so glad that you stuck it out to the very end of this show. And to Jason's point, we've got just a little bit of homework for you this week. We want you to come prepared for next Sunday's message with the name and the face of someone in your life who doesn't know Jesus. We want you to to come to church on Sunday with the idea of a person who you maybe even think is so far from God that how, how could that person ever be reached? And what we want you to consider is, hey, is my God sovereign? Is he powerful enough to change the life of this person? And if he's gonna do that, how do I play a role? Next Sunday's message is sure to be challenging in that very way. We couldn't be more excited to share that with you. As always, if you have any questions or comments from Sunday's message, we do encourage you to join us at quadcity.church slash Romans, where you could submit your questions to be answered right here on the podcast. Well, hey, we hope you have a great week and we can't wait to see you again real soon.